0: talking stuff i'm jeremy birmingham that's andrew ellis we are talking about ohio state football recruiting as we normally do and andrew has a dinner date tonight so we're going to try to make this a little bit shorter the last week not a whole lot i mean we're going to still try to run through the gambit of everything that's going on around ohio state football recruiting as june comes to an end we're in a dead period that started on sunday night um or sunday so There's no more visits, which is good because it's been going on since the beginning of March, March 1st to June uh, 20, what, 25th, 26th. There were nonstop visits for the last four months, which uh, makes for a lot of content. But it does, unfortunately, make it difficult to always keep up and know what's what. Um, We are now in the decompression period for the coaches. The Ohio State staff is all on vacation scattered throughout the country. Um, a lot of kids have gone back to their homes, getting ready for their senior seasons, 2024 kids getting ready for their senior seasons, 2025 junior seasons, etc. Uh, and it, with that comes a lot of kids who are getting ready to make some college football decisions. So Andrew and I are going to dive in to two kids that uh, did make their decision last Friday night when uh, Damarion Witten and Bryce West told Ohio State, uh at the recruiting dinner uh, on the first day of their official visit that they were officially committing to the Buckeyes that weekend and not a surprise Andrew but you know we did see the last couple of weeks the the buzz around Michigan and Bryce West it started to feel a little bit more than just a smokescreen but like that's a pretty good smokescreen the way that Bryce West handled things the last few weeks and that's what I think people are are catching on to around the country that sometimes kids are going a little bit further even than they would normally want to to make sure the smoke screen feels valid so that it actually seems to be some sort of little surprise. But uh, with Bryce West and Damarion Witten, the Cleveland Glenville pipeline remains alive and well for Ohio State.
1: Yeah. We've talked about uh, Glenville for a while now, and it's just you don't hear it a lot anymore like we did you know, a decade or so ago, but it's good to see two guys in the fold now. I think heading into this cycle, there were really like three in-state guys that I kind of, circled as borderline must gets Uh, Bryce West was one of those Jordan Marshall who's committed to Michigan was one of those and then there's another one we're going to talk about later so getting one of those guys in the fold is a pretty big deal Um, they need cornerbacks probably going to take three or four so that's a good start and Damarian Witten we talked about him last week and I'm just kind of excited to see how he ends up being used what the Ohio State strength and conditioning program does for him and just kind of what role he's going to play down the road
0: yeah he's going to need to hit that weight room pretty hard um, but I, he's interested in living up to that challenge. And that's what I think ultimately makes the commitment of DeMarion West exciting. He's not a player that has a cut and dried spot in the offense right now. He could be that split end, uh, uh, that split end type, uh, H back type tight end where you can get out and let him do some things in space. Extremely talented pass catcher, um, versatile athlete, ran a four five, six at Ohio State at the recruiting camp two weeks ago. Um, and he could have taken an easier path. And that's the, the reality is he could have went to Kentucky. And uh, I think a lot of people at Kentucky thought he was going to pick Kentucky. Um, but the the decision to stay closer to home, the decision to play at Ohio State, the decision to challenge himself is really what it was about. And now he's going to have to live up to that. And he's going to have to, in some ways, make sure that a guy like Vince Merrow eats his words, who um, you know, did one of the more bizarre things I've seen a, a coach do when he decided to clearly drunkenly tweet on Saturday night about uh, Marion Witten. And it, I, I hope that that spurs Marion Witten to make sure that he's like an All-American down the road, because if he gets drafted someday down the road, I want him to stand on stage and, and do a Marcus Hall type of, uh, you know, thank you to Vince Merrill.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Vince Merrill had a rough night. Like you said, he had to have been a few beers deep when he tweeted that out. Um, Vince Merrill is a hell of a recruiter and there definitely was some Kentucky buzz there for a while. Um, No idea how realistic that was, but um, yeah, that was one of the stranger tweets. I kind of like seeing coaches like when they get out of their, I don't know if they're out of their show. That's, it was a bad tweet and a weird tweet, but sometimes, I don't know, it was just amusing to me to see to see stuff like that. And it seemed like it was amusing to Demarion Witten's dad too. I know he was uh, up in the replies there for a bit. So yeah, fun night.
0: I, I think it's funny actually, because I think you're right. Like there is likely, as we watch social media evolve and kids using social media more and more for, attention and clout like i think we're going to see more coaches clapping back in a way and maybe three years from now that tweet by vince merrill won't feel quite so like what the hell just happened but uh for right now it does so it is a little bit weird and um i I think it's actually even weirder because it's a kentucky recruitment of a kid from ohio with an ohio state offer like you couldn't have really believed that you were going to just walk right in and take a guy ohio state wanted and I think maybe Vince Merrill believed Ohio State didn't really want him or something like that, uh, which I guess you can come up with reasons why that's the the case. So um, that is uh, not great. Um, also, not great. Sue, we see you in the chat. Hope you're doing okay. See, you're in the uh, the IR or the the uh, you know the the room, the emergency room or something, or the ICU. We appreciate you watching from the ICU. I hope you're okay. Wow. <laughs> that sounds. Yeah. Really terrible. I'm not trying to make light of it, but I'm trying to read the comments, and then and all of a sudden, I was like, holy crap, that's uh, serious. So, to get well. Um, Andrew, uh, nice, uh, you know, segue here, but getting well is what this was about for Ohio State this past weekend. It was about making sure that a player like Bryce West, who I don't think maybe has been talked about enough because he is and has been expected to commit to Ohio State from the jump that maybe sometimes And I think everyone's guilty of this when it comes to Ohio prospects. They overlook them a little bit until all of a sudden it's not so cut and dried. And then all of a sudden it's a huge deal, right? So um, when you get Bryce West, Rivals has him as the number one ranked player in the state of Ohio. Uh, I think it goes back and forth between him and Aaron Scotta and every other site pretty much, every other national ranking. Um, You're getting a high four-star player who has elite speed, not elite size. And I think that's where if you're looking – to compare him and Aaron Scott, like to uh, how they break down. I think Bryce West is a more, um, like a complete player right now, but Aaron Scott may have the bigger upside down the road because of the length that he has. He's probably got Bryce by about two inches. So that is where that's going to get interesting.
1: Yeah. I think they're two very different guys. Um, but, but like you said, Bryce West is Bryce West is just explosive. I mean, he's incredibly fast. Uh, athletic. Um, I think you're right about we didn't talk about him for a while just because we kind of assumed he was in, and then last week there was some chatter about a return trip to Michigan and stuff like that, and then there was a little bit of panic, Um, but I don't think that one was ever really in doubt, and uh, now you got to get a couple other guys to uh, go along with in there at corner.
0: Yeah, the story behind the story there, really, Bryce actually told me back in April he was committing to Ohio State, um, and I made him a graphic, we got all that stuff done, and then it was just sort of a waiting game, wait, 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 and then it Uh, it happens uh, last weekend. Him and Damarion Witten are in the class for Ohio State. I'm trying to read the comments and trying to be a little bit more interactive here, so I do apologize if I you know, take a detour. Uh, Keith7456 says to Ryan Nichols, just posted he's committing on July 2nd. Um, Likely not Ohio State. That's correct. Uh, He did not make an official visit to Ohio State in June. The Buckeyes offered him at the end of May, but haven't really spent a lot of time trying to uh, build up that relationship since. He spent the last weekend at Michigan. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they are the pick. I know Pitt and a couple others are also very highly uh, interested into Ryan Nichols, but if Ohio State's not going to go all in, uh, I think Michigan is willing to be all in for him, and they will put another feather in the cap saying they took him over Ohio State if that is what occurs, but I don't think that's entirely accurate.
1: I think Kentucky's... Kentucky's kind of heavily involved there too, though. I yeah, Kentucky's speaking.
0: very heavily involved there and, and has been for a while. Like they are with most Cincinnati guys. Um, CJ Partlos with Daniel Cruz just committed to Texas. Uh, that was expected. Ohio State probably finished runner up there, but that's just unfortunately when you're recruiting offensive linemen from Texas, uh, you're going to have to contend with the Longhorns and their you know yearly salary that they offer to the offensive linemen. So, um, not that it was about NIL, but it's part of the all part of the puzzle. Uh, Andrew the puzzle is feeling more complete at this point because Ohio state is done as we mentioned at the start of the show with official visits, with the recruiting visits for the month of June, last weekend, the Buckeyes hosted seven guys. You asked me if I thought Ohio state could land six of the players that were visiting. And I said, I thought maybe five could be six. And the one guy wasn't really sure about was Justin Scott, the five-star defensive tackle from Chicago. Um, And leaving that weekend visit, a lot of buzz that Ohio State had at least become the second school in the mix for him. And and now it seems like another Ohio State-Michigan battle. I think Michigan might have the edge right now. He's been there more often. He's got a better relationship with Mike Elston than he does probably with Larry Johnson at this juncture. But the good news for Ohio State, I think, from what people that I've talked to have said, is that they wouldn't be surprised if that commitment actually doesn't happen until February. And if that's the case, then there's not a whole lot of point in talking too much about Justin Scott now, but he's the number one ranked defensive tackle in the country, and Ohio State is in desperate need of defensive tackle and defensive lines, uh, period, in this class. So were you surprised at the the feedback uh, about the Justin Scott visit after it happened?
1: Yeah, I had kind of long written that one off. Um, Miami was talked about, Georgia was talked about, Notre Dame, and and obviously Michigan. So like as of a month ago, I would have guessed Ohio state was running about fifth at best in that recruitment. Um, I I think it tends to be like coming off of a visit. If you're still like in second place or fighting for that top spot, it's really not usually a good thing for that team. But I think with this one, like you said, with this one, possibly going all the way, maybe even to February um, that gives Larry Johnson and co a chance to continue to make a move, um, whether they're chasing Michigan or chasing Notre Dame. I do worry about Miami getting back involved for all the typical reasons we talk about when we're discussing Miami, but it's kind of seeming like maybe this is a Midwest battle, if not just a just a Big Ten battle.
0: Yeah, I think that the Midwest part plays a, a key role in this. Scott's family has, has been very vocal about wanting him to stay close to home. Um, I mentioned heading into the visit, the, the approach I would take if I were Ohio State, that the Buckeyes provided the best blend of everything that he was looking for. Um, I think that's probably resonated quite a bit um, and now you got the opportunity to really connect with Larry Johnson to get to know him a little bit better, get to know some of the guys at Ohio State on the team, because that's one area where he had not really been able to make any inroads with the Buckeyes because he hadn't been on campus since basically um, October. And that was for a game day weekend, and there's not a whole lot of opportunity to do that then. So it's it's frustrating for Ohio State. They weren't able to get him on campus in the spring. But this official visit did make a, a pretty big impression on him, and so now you have what I think is a Midwest battle. I'm not going to rule out Notre Dame because, again, especially if this lasts until February, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs here. Georgia's still involved, and, and you just can't really you know, ignore anything when Georgia's in the mix. So, I mean, we're not you know, the SEC media people who are going to ignore whatever is going on at Georgia, um, but we can talk about it. You, you have something to say? What is it?
1: No, I was just going to say you're, you're exactly right earlier. There's really not like there's four or five edge guys that we've been talking about, but there really aren't that many interior defensive linemen that are really firmly on the radar. So it's good to see he's at least on the radar, I guess, but I don't know. It's again, we've talked about it. Larry Johnson just does things differently. So there could be some secret undercover guy out there that we just don't know about.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, we talked about Charleston Collins last week, the Arkansas commit. That's one Arkansas. that the guys are certainly, um, interested in and and trying to get to know. But uh, when you look back at this past weekend, Justin Scott, I think, is the one player that we went into the visit thinking, okay, long shot. Everyone else is a pretty realistic opportunity. You had Bryce West and Damarion Witten. You had Aaron Scott visiting. Peyton Pierce already committed. Kingston Viamuasa um, was visiting, and that was one where I've been a little bit higher on Ohio State's chances in that one for a while, more than most people. um, And I think that the, the Buckeyes... Coming out of that visit, in my mind, the Buckeyes are in, are in the lead with USC um, in the fight and then Notre Dame trying to hold on. And again, I'm not sure that I would rule anyone out because we know that the family has some affinity for Notre Dame and the academics there. Um, in talking to people around that recruitment, it seems pretty clear to me that the family is going to approve and, and um, respect whatever he wants to do. It's not a situation where they're pounding the table saying you absolutely shouldn't go somewhere. It's more like, okay, we'll take football out of the equation. What happens if you don't have football? Um, that's, you know, USC selling the idea of staying home. We saw or, or read a quote on, on Wednesday about Zabian Brown, the cornerback from LA who said, what's the difference between Ohio State and USC really? Um, and there is a big difference because it's really number one for a linebacker getting the opportunity to be coached by James Laurinitis is a big difference. Um, Number two, even though they're both college cities, uh, LA is not interested in USC the way that Columbus is interested in uh, Ohio State. For good reason. They have a lot of things going on there. But to say that they're the same thing is not accurate. So how did did you feel when you read that quote?
1: Well, I mean, the third thing that you forgot is one, one of those schools does not require you to play on a defense that's led by Alex Grinch. So that was kind of the first thing that really hit me. But I don't know, like that, the quote I thought was a little bit off and really the recruitment has been kind of weird. Just the fact that he made so many visits, I mean, he's been to campus, what, three or four times over the last couple months with most of those being on his own dime. So in a way, I did feel like it was a little weird that Ohio State wasn't even, is no longer even really a finalist. Um, but that quote, you're, you're spot on about this, the city of Columbus that's feeling towards Ohio State versus, you know, freaking Los Angeles and how it feels about USC. It's just two totally different two totally different situations. So that was a bit of a strange quote.
0: Yeah. The one thing that's interesting in the recruitment of Viamuasa, we know that the Polynesian families are a little bit different and, and they want to stay as close together as possible. And, you know, a lot of kids want to stay close to home. The Polynesian families are a little bit um, even more so about that. And it was Ohio state's intention to make sure that JT Tumaloa and his father were around um, For the weekend, JT was a host for Kingston Viamuasa on his visit, which is unusual because they don't play the same position. But it was about showing him, hey, this is what Columbus has done for me and my family. And so, um, again, the combination for me of, of James Laurinaitis, the opportunity to play early at Ohio State, understanding that um, by the time Kingston is really ready to make an impact in college, as a pure Mike linebacker, the Buckeyes don't really have one on the roster after Tommy Eichenberg leaves. Um, the fact that Ohio State recruited him before they recruited anybody else in the class of 2024, I feel like the Buckeyes are in a position to win this battle. Um, won't be easy. It could happen any between now and end of July. He could make a decision. Um, I don't expect it will happen this week. I've seen some speculation that maybe it could, but I, I just don't think that's the case. Um, so you just really need to keep pounding the point home, that with Garrett Stover and Peyton Pierce and Kingston Viamuasa, you have three linebackers that are um, all very similar personalities, guys that really have a a shared love of of the game and and a similar approach to the game and to the way that they compete and the way they prepare. Um, And I just think personality fit, it's it's a good fit. Ohio State is – you need type A personalities at Ohio State. Kingston is not like a loud, boisterous, vocal kid – but he's an extremely confident young man who is not going to be a wallflower and shy away from things. So um, I know that you've, you know, we see the, the Notre Dame talk, we see the USC talk, Andrew, do you have any, what is your vibe on that?
1: My, my vibe is that USC and Ohio state are probably the the top two schools. Um, I know he seemingly has gotten pretty close with Peyton Pierce too. So that doesn't hurt. Um, I saw today, Lincoln Riley quote, tweeting pictures of him at USC from two weeks ago. Um, strange, like USC insiders retweeting those same photos. That was strange. I don't know if that's a little bit of desperation, desperation from, from Lincoln, but read real reality. It probably just doesn't mean anything. So I don't know. He's a, he's a fit for Ohio state. Um, I think I read somewhere about like wanting to get into business and real estate, uh, you know, LA real estate, that's not a bad thing, but Ohio state's got a good business program. So I don't know. I'm with you. I'm kind of leaning towards, leaning towards Ohio state right now. Uh, Notre Dame probably a distant third and USC run in second or one B or one a, I don't know.
0: Yeah. And I said it last week. I think ultimately if Peyton Woodyard ends up flipping to USC, which I do believe will happen, I guess I won't be surprised if that is the piece that sends Viamuasa to USC at, at, at the end, but we'll see how, what happens over the next few weeks before a decision gets made, because I, I just don't, I, I think the fit at Ohio state is what Kingston's looking for. Um, but there are always and and forever will be extenuating circumstances that happen. Uh, Miles Lockhart made his official visit to Ohio state from Chandler, Arizona, uh, Basha high school. It seems like the most boring recruitment that we've had in a while, which is pretty good. Um, Miles Lockhart does not get talked about a lot. He's a four-star cornerback. He is a perfect fit at the slot slash nickel corner for Ohio state, that inside corner, five foot, 10, 190 pounds. Runs a four-four-five, extremely quick feet, physical player. Like, there's a lot to love about this kid's game. I, I tell you, folks, if you haven't watched Miles Lockhart's tape, put it on. Like, there's two games last year against Dylan Rayola and Chandler where you can see what makes this kid special. Um, Ohio State offered him at camp last summer. He was really, really good that day. Picked up his offer. Left camp, saying Ohio State was his leader. Came back in the fall, said Ohio State was his leader. Came back in the spring, said Ohio State was his leader came back after his official visit said Ohio state's as leader didn't make visits anywhere else besides July sixth I mean uh, the math there is pretty good, right Andrew
1: yeah, I think this one's pretty simple um and we've kind of i don't want to say forgotten about him, but just with all the talk about bryce west and and Darren Scott and he's kind of just been there all along as this as this um third quarter corner more of a nickel corner, whatever if those guys are going to be on the outside, he's probably going to be more of an inside corner. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems pretty. I don't even honestly at this point. I don't even know what other schools are in consideration. Really, um, some I've also noticed some outlets have him listed as a running back. But yeah, he's he's a quicker guy, um, and I think he'd just be the ideal guy to be cornerback number three behind behind the aforementioned two. So
0: yeah, he made visits, uh, unofficial visits in the spring to Oregon um, and to Wisconsin. Set up or at least had verbalized that he was going to make official visits to those schools and never did. Um, I don't know if those schools just decided, hey, let's not waste our time bringing an official visitor and we know where he's going to go or or whatever. Um, but it does seem like one of the more drama free recruitments, maybe since the last one of like Keon Gray's. And again, that's another Arizona guy where we're like, well, um, you know, you know what he's going to do. And, and then he does it. So um, I, I think that July 6th will be the day that Miles Lockhart. Uh, officially joins your as class, but we'll see. There's a lot that can happen in a week, I guess. Right. Um,
1: R- 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 I was just going to say, I think, I think when we set that, uh, when we set that over under for uh, commitments between June to like the first week of July, I think we both probably had him penciled yeah. in as one of those. So yeah, seems on track.
0: Yeah. It's hard to imagine him picking another school at this point, because I just, as you mentioned, like, I don't even know who it'd be um, the fact that he, chose not to make any other official visits is pretty um, telling. So um, that was a pretty successful recruiting weekend for Ohio state. Uh, when you really look at everything that went down and it brought a pretty successful end to the month of June for Ohio state on the recruiting trail. And there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to make decisions here in the next couple of weeks. And that's where I guess we'll find out if this June was super successful or if it was another it's going to feel like a letdown if, if some of these guys don't end up at Ohio State. And, and we know who those guys are. The Dylan Stewart's, the Andrew Houstons, the KJ Bolden's like Ohio State. I don't like to say has to get guys, but they have to get those three. They have to get them to make this class defensively have a chance to be elite without those three players in the class, without Marquise Lightfoot in the class. I, I really think to be an elite defensive class in the class of 2024, they have to get Lightfoot, Stewart, Houston and K.J. Bolden, and then, you know, you already got Pierce and Stover, you add Lockhart, you hope you 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 do the what you need to do with Aaron Scott, and then, I mean, there's, it, I don't know, I'm, I'm just rambling, but it's like everything here is set up for Ohio State to win these battles, and they just need to close it out. Um, Dylan Stewart, obviously, South Carolina and Miami are very involved. That's a scary battle a little bit to people, I think, because, there is a belief in some people's minds, and I, I guess I can understand it, that if the if the competition really is South Carolina and Miami, how could he not pick Ohio State? I, I know South Carolina is a team on the rise, and Miami is selling the opportunity to play early and be coached by Jason Taylor and all this stuff. But like, if, if you're really considering between South Carolina and Miami over Ohio State, it probably has people flashing back to a year ago going, oh, this do, has to be an NIL-related recruitment, right?
1: Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's going to be one of the more interesting ones to follow this month. It's, it's funny. You said, you know, there's all these names that could pop in July and correct me if I'm wrong, but outside of Lockhart, I don't think there's really that many like set decision dates that we're already aware of. Are there?
0: No. And that's what makes this uncomfortable for people uh, because Edric Houston's decision date is still set for August 22nd. We know that one. There's conversation because there is an open period at the end of July that he could end up back at Ohio State or maybe make another trip to Alabama, maybe make a trip to Clemson at the end of July. Like that, That'll be pretty telling to me if he ends up making a trip to another school that's not Ohio State at that time. Um, sure, there, those other schools may be closer, but uh, it's an hour and 15-minute flight from Atlanta to Columbus, so it's not like it's unwieldy to get there. Um, but as far as Dylan Stewart, Marquise um, Lightfoot, uh, K.J. Bolden, Aaron Scott, uh, there are no decision dates. Jordan Rubell, Johnson or uh, Jordan Johnson Rebel. Like there, there's a lot of guys out there that they had visits um, at, that don't have dates set. Dominic McKinley, Nigel Smith. I mean, go Jaden Jackson, go down the list. It is a it is known that all these guys are trying to make decisions before their senior season start, but it could happen all at once. It could happen spread out through the month. It, it, it's it's gonna be a lot of um stuff just sprung on people at the last minute, I think.
1: Yeah, it's just like a matter of do they say they're going to announce on this day or do they just tweet out a commitment out of nowhere? How is that going to go? But kind of the scary thing is, I guess in a good way and a bad way, those all those names that you mentioned earlier, the Bolden, the you know, the Aaron Scott and Dylan Stewart, all those guys like it genuinely feels like Ohio State's in a spot right now where they could potentially land each and every one of those guys. But then it's like you flash back to last cycle and there was a time when we were asking ourselves what's going to happen if Keon Keeley, Damon Wilson, and Mateo Uyungle all want to commit, and you ended up whiffing on that situation. So obviously they need. Um, and, and you mentioned it last week. Uh, the whole NIL situation now compared to last year is just uh, vastly better. Um, so they're in a good spot now. You just got to now you just got to put the finishing touches on, I guess.
0: Yeah, and and again, I'm I'm not trying to be the eternal optimist. I know everyone prefers when I'm a negative person, but the fact that Ohio State didn't score on any one of those defensive ends last year. Has to make you feel a little bit better about the fact that maybe they're going to get two or three of them this year. Uh, I think that for this defensive line class to be a success, because there are not a lot of high level backup plans available, that's Ohio State asked Elias Rudolph to visit in the season because they were like, Hey, we're not, we're not going to put our chips there until we see what happens with these other guys. That's a, that's a risk. That's a big risk. Um, we have not seen Ohio State. Make a move on guys like Dominic Kirks in, in Cleveland, who's a really good player, uh, and he may end up off the board. Um, at, at safety, we didn't see Ohio State make a move on Coy Beasley, who just committed to Purdue. Um, we, we watched Ohio State, as we already mentioned about Teron Nichols, like not really push into the middle there to try to get involved in that, hoping to get him to take an official visit in the season if they need it. And that's going to end up with him committing somewhere else. So this is the risk you run. This is the game you play. But as I said last week, if you're intentionally recruiting players that you think are, are not as good because you're afraid of losing, then that's a losing mentality. And so how do you, how do you maintain a a championship level program by recruiting players that you actively believe are not going to make as big a difference?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I just, I feel like the way the coaching staff is handling things, whether it's not pushing for Nichols or maybe they wanted Nichols to visit during the season, I can't remember, but it almost seems like they have to know something about some of these other guys that we're sitting here talking about. but you know, last year I thought that they knew something about Caleb Downs and people like that. But again, different cycle can't can't compare it yeah. too much, so yeah. yeah,
0: and, and this is you know the time last year when Caleb Downs committed to Alabama. It was Ohio State and Alabama at the top. And, and Georgia in the, in, the, in the mix this year for K.J. Bolden. It's Ohio State and Georgia at the top, Alabama trying to keep pace, uh, and you're going to see a commitment probably happen around the same time, and then whatever occurred last year, Ohio State, Georgia, still trying to flip downs and unable to do it is going to happen this year with whichever team wins that battle is going to have to hold off the other ones until signing day. So it's like there is no rest here, but there is, I think, and, and you're correct in assuming that, Ohio state has to feel some measure of confidence in who they have on the current list. Otherwise they would be much more active in promoting and, um, and highlighting backup plans.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Hey, let me ask you a quick question, kind of uh, just sure. getting off our uh, itinerary here. Somebody had asked this on the board earlier this week. I can't remember if you answered or not, but who, who do you think, who do you view as a better prospect, Caleb downs or. Or K.J. Bolden? Do you have an answer for that one? Or maybe you did answer and I missed it, but I'm just curious. I
0: didn't answer it because I, I don't know that they're apples to apples. Uh, I think that Caleb Downs is going to be a first-round pick in the NFL in two years from now. Um, I think K.J. Bolden will be a first-round pick four years from now whenever he's done with his three years of, 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 of college ball. They're different players, though. Like K.J. Bolden may be a touch more electric, a little bit more athletic. Um, but Caleb Downs, football IQ, the strength, the – the being in the right spot, like the dude is the best high school safety I think I've ever seen. So, um, I, I would probably say Downs is better, but Bolden is different. And, uh, you would be thrilled to have either one of them on the roster. So, makes uh, sense to me. Jordan Johnson rubel Josh Pahola says he will make his announcement on Saturday. That's a guy who visited Ohio State officially. And I'm going to say this I, I think that that's a guy that Ohio State might be in a better position for than people are thinking. Um, I think that's Ohio State and Texas. I don't believe that TCU or Michigan are are real contenders in that battle. So I guess we'll find out. Perry Eliano has been on him early. The relationship Eliano has in Texas is, is great. He plays at IMG, and but there's obviously a pull to stay home. And what will be fascinating to me, Andrew, because we haven't seen a commitment yet from Kobe Black or Rubell Johnson or Johnson Rubell, or Corey and Gibson, who all made that visit last week to Texas together, I, I, I honestly believe that Texas could go zero for three in that group, which would be stunning. And I know that every everything we read on Kobe Black out there in the in the Ethernet, the, I mean the internet, but in the ether of the internet, um, says, "Oh, he's leaning towards Texas. He's leaning towards Texas with Kobe Black." But I just don't. I don't know that I believe it.
1: I have been reading some Kobe Black updates from the Texas side that does not even mention Ohio State. It just mentions LSU as the one school they're worried about because he's I think supposed to visit there this fall. And I remember asking you last week um just kind of privately about that recruitment and you said if it comes out of the visit to Texas and we get to like the middle of next week which now we're we're here that there might be some re- reason for A little bit of optimism. So I don't know how I don't know how how far he's waiting I don't know how far he's trying to take his recruitment though. So
0: Well see from what I understand, there's some internal discussions being had about whether or not to take official visits in this in the season or to commit. Um so that is interesting to me. I also think what is fascinating here is the dynamic of Bryce West is committed. We expect Miles Lockhart to be committed on July sixth. Then there's Aaron Scott if he picks Ohio State, which I still believe he will, despite everything. Um. Uh, then, then I wonder if the calculus changes a bit for Kobe Black, and it forces him to look harder at taking visits in the season to LSU or uh, Oklahoma or Alabama or Oklahoma or or whatever. But I, I'm not gonna buy the whole "it's Texas just because" conversation. I there is nobody that I talk to at Ohio State, and and I promise you folks, the Ohio State sourcing world is not like the most optimistic people on the planet. They are very realistic. If, if they don't feel like there's a shot, they're going to say there's no shot and we're going to move on. And that is not the case with Kobe Black. So I guess we'll see what happens. Um, you know, w- w- that could be, as I said, contingent on Aaron Scott. And if Aaron Scott decides to play at Michigan, Ohio State has a much more reason to go balls to the wall for Kobe Black, um, which, you know, they're already doing that because they want four corners. But as the conversation changes quite a bit for Ohio state and for Kobe black. If that spot opposite Bryce West is open um, and otherwise it's, it's a harder sell.
1: Yeah. Just the fact that he's still not committed to Texas. I think that's reason for optimism right there. So yeah.
0: yeah. And I, again, I, I think it's funny in a way, not funny, haha, but funny, weird. Like if, if Johnson, Rubel and black and Corian Gibson, who I, from what I was told heading into that visit, Texas was going to make a, a push to get all three guys to be, you know, the three three amigos and, and really shut it all down together. The fact that, that hasn't happened yet, maybe it's happened behind closed doors and we haven't seen it, but it is interesting. And I know there was a crystal ball or something put in for Kobe Black on Saturday night in, in, from from a Texas writer, but the rationale was basically just, well, he's from Texas and and he took his official visit. Um, unless there's, I don't know, I, I don't think that things are, are that cut and dried. So. Uh, let's see, John uh, Johnson. Yes. Corey Johnson rebel is committing this Saturday. That's true. Um, I think Ohio state could be the, the one to pull. I really think that could be an upset for Ohio state. And if that happens, then the Kobe black things becomes even doubly interesting. Uh, i do not, this isn't like a package deal or anything like that, but those guys are all friends. If Kobe black, it doesn't decide anywhere by then. And Johnson rebel picks Texas. I think that helps Texas's case. If he picks Ohio state, which again, I believe that's a two team battle. Things get even more interesting.
1: So, so you think there's there's like a legit chance that Johnson and Rubell commits to Ohio State this weekend? Or I the I State, mean, the Buckeyes
0: but- want the Buckeyes yeah. want three safeties. Um, they want they have one with Jalen McLean. They're interested in Zaquan Patterson from Shaman Madonna High School and and are trying to get him to be back on campus maybe at the end of July in that couple day window. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But if Johnson and Rubell takes that spot before that occurs, then I, then the Buckeyes would be fine with that. They, they're. This is not a team that's hosting official visitors that they aren't going to say yes to. Period. So, um, you know, I think that there are levels to that. There are are, are degrees of of interest or or degrees of where things go. Like Nicholas Rodriguez, the linebacker from St. Thomas Aquinas, who's making his announcement on Sunday uh, or on Monday, I think. Like I think that's going to be Missouri, but. Ohio State, I, I don't know that they would say yes to him yet, knowing that Viamuasa Asa um, and Edwin Spillman are still out there waiting to make a decision. So um, that's going to be interesting. Uh, da, 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 da. Dreamtime relaxation. One of those Southeast Ohio Sasquatch would be one heck of a defensive end, defensive tackle, linebacker, Berm. Can you tell me who you're talking about? Because I don't know who the Sasquatch is um, in Southeast Ohio. So I'd be interested to know who that is. Um, Andrew, uh, Aaron Scott, we're going to take a couple minutes here to just talk about it, okay? Yes. I understand fully well why everyone is panicking about it, and I don't disagree that everything looks on the surface to be perplexing, puzzling, negative, bad, however you want to say it. I I just... I just think that eventually, all things being equal, if all things are equal, that Ohio State will be the choice. I don't think unless there's one area where Michigan is so far and away better in his mind that he can't say no, I don't think he would say no to Ohio State. That's I guess I know that doesn't seem to have like a, a lot of oomph behind it or whatever, but that's just how I I read it.
1: Yeah, I think he had questions about like playing press man and that kind of stuff which I'm sure he got those answered, you know, by Tim Walton last week, last weekend. But let me ask you I guess cuz he's talked about doing an early July decision versus a late July decision, I think Dad's birthday or something like that. Do you think one of those dates is like more favorable for Ohio State's chances or is it kind of a wash or what are your what are your thoughts there?
0: I think as a the home team like you want a decision to be made Closer to the official visit than further from the official visit, right? I mean, I I don't, I I can't view it in a way that says, oh, well, if he keeps waiting and keeps waiting that it's positive for Ohio State, I don't think that's true. I do think it would be interesting and a kind of a weird decision by a kid to choose a school on his father's birthday that his father reportedly hates. Um, That's kind of weird. But also, I know his dad will, will say, hey you know, I'm going to support you wherever you go because that's what good parents do. Um, That said, I I do not think Aaron is going to want this to drag out that long. I think that every person he's talked to in the last couple of days on the record, I've spoken to him a handful of times off the record. I don't need to write the same things everyone else is writing about his. He's incredibly stressed out right now and he doesn't need the pressure. So I think once he's... Head and heart are aligned, and he's ready to make a decision. He will not delay it. I think he will go as fast as he can.
1: Yeah, uh, I've obviously, I've never been in a situation like that, but just the constant tweet barrage from former players, current players, all time great players, um, media, that kind of stuff. Like that would just be too much for me. I would just want to like end it, like end my recruitment when I'm. Yeah, when it actually end says
0: it. something about it. Says something about Aaron that he hasn't just shut down his social media and, and avoided everything altogether. Like uh, I would be, if I was in his position, I would say I'm going on a media blackout and I'm just done until I'm ready to make a decision. But um, you know, it is a different world We're we're watching kids have to um, grow up basically in the public eye. And and, um, it's going to be fascinating, whatever he chooses, he's going to have a lot of people who are super happy and a lot of people who are going to turn on him in a way that, um, will only validate his decision to pick the other school. And uh, that's the fun part, right? That's why recruiting is fun. My personal belief is that it's still going to be Ohio State. Um, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. It's not like I'm infallible, but I, I just don't see a scenario. I mean, I, it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. The relationship with Ryan Day, the relationship with Tim Walton is very good. I understand Jesse Minter and Steve Steve Klinkscale have done a great job there. The entire Michigan staff stays on him. There's a relationship, maybe a a touch better with his high school coach with with Klinkscale in Michigan than there is uh, with Ohio State. But the family pull to the Buckeyes, the fact that he grew up wanting to play for Ohio State and and Oregon, not Michigan. Um, The Ohio State defense wants to be more man-to-man oriented. They just don't have the players like him and haven't had the last couple of years of cornerbacks to be guys using that. And the fact is, when it comes down to it, if all those things are equal, and again, I don't think they are because Ohio State has a part of his heart and his family's heart that's different. If all those things are equal, NIL isn't. And I think Ohio State could win it. I mean, if 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 that's, I don't, I don't think that will play a part in his final decision or be the differentiator, but like that thing matters. And and right now Ohio State's in a better position there. So I guess we'll see how that how that works out. But bottom line, I think Ohio State will still be the winner and it's uncomfortably close. And I get why people are worried. And my advice, Andrew, and I, I know people hate when I soapbox it, but if you're an Ohio State fan and you're on social media and you don't personally feel like Thrilled by seeing Aaron tweet about Michigan or just internalize it and wait and and don't say anything stupid, but just be supportive of a a kid going through a process that's incredibly difficult uh, for him and his family. So any other thoughts on Aaron Scott before we move on? Because this is the last time I think we're going to talk about Aaron Scott on Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, until he makes a decision.
1: No, I think we've I think we've talked that one to death. I'm I have an uneasy, somewhat uneasy feeling, but I I'll ride with whatever you say. You know, far more than I do.
0: So. No, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, I, I you, you're, you're smart. Feel feel the way you feel. I I just I'm just refusing to see it from a negative point of view. That's just the way I'm going to go because I don't want to be negative. Everyone thinks I'm negative. Eleven warriors, uh, subscribers, w- commenters. Don't think I don't see that stuff. You guys think I think I'm negative. Come on, I'm uber positive, uber positive. Uh, anyway, Sasquatches live in the forest, bro. You got to get out in the woods and find one and get an interview on a commitment, a seven-star recruit. Oh, so you're actually so dreamtime relaxation is talking about an actual Sasquatch, not a player whose physical form reminded him of like a, a big. I, I thought it was being used as some sort of like metaphor for a player who was. Like long rangey and, and fast and explosive. So, um, okay. What else? What else? What else? We're moving on. Andrew, two players that like visited Ohio State in June that we thought were pretty much locked up for Ohio State, but it was all, all but over. But the the crossing of the T's and the dotting of the I's, ohio state.rivals.com, use promo code DTE30 for a free month. Um, it were Jaden Jackson, the defensive tackle from IMG Academy by way of Indianapolis, and Elijah Moore, the wide receiver from. Uh Baltimore. Both those guys took final official visits over this weekend and it seems like we finally have some intrigue in both of those recruitments with Texas now being rumored to be potentially a favorite for Jaden Jackson and Elijah Moore getting crystal balled and, and uh, RPM'd and future casted and all these things to Florida State. I want to start with Jaden Jackson because I don't know that I believe it. Uh, I I believe Texas probably made a big impression. Again, that Polynesian family is different, and uh, I think they're going to want to still stay closer to home. Long-time relationship with Larry Johnson and Ohio State going back into the summer of 2021. Feels like Ohio State lost some momentum, but I I think that they'll still win that battle. Do you disagree with me, or do you um, agree with me?
1: No, I agree with you completely. Um, Indiana kid close with larry johnson there's no i mean there's i'm sure i'm sure he had a hell of a weekend at texas uh but no i still i still think he's gonna end up at ohio state and he's one of the like we said he's one of the few pure defensive tackle targets they are looking at so that'd be uh that'd be kind of an unfortunate loss if larry johnson failed to uh to secure him so
0: yeah and that's the thing like you can look at his recruitment from a number of different through a, a number of different lenses uh if justin scott is ohio state 1b to michigan's 1a Jaden Jackson has been a, as much a priority for Ohio State as long as Justin Scott has been, so I don't think that this is a situation where someone else can be like, oh, well, they don't really love you that much. They don't really want you. Like Ohio State's gone and proven that beyond a shadow of a doubt, so uh, I, I really do think that they'll still win that one. Texas has made it close. Um, Jaden Jackson does not have a date for a decision T4-3 Rockhold. Uh, if that's Travis, hello. Um, I don't know if it is, but I'll just assume your name is Travis Rockhold, and if it is, then Hello. If you're someone else, T Rockhold, like Tom Rockhold or Terry Rockhold, also hello. Welcome. Um, let's see. Elijah Moore, though, that one's a little different. Um, I do believe that Florida State is probably going to win that fight, and it's going to feel weird to say that because Brian Hartline doesn't really lose fights. Um, I don't believe this is a situation where Ohio State as good as Elijah Moore is, and I'm going to tell you the Ohio State coaching staff is extremely high on Elijah Moore. I think that there is an understanding that you don't particularly need him in this class, as long as you have Jeremiah Smith and Mylon Graham and potentially Jeremiah McClellan in this class as well, because Elijah Moore um, has a lot of upside, but he is at this point in the recruiting, like vernacular, I guess he's like a poor man's Jeremiah Smith, right? So it, you take him if he wants in because he's got a really high upside and a really high potential, but you also know if you bring him in, then all of a sudden Kojo Antwi or Keon Grays is more likely to leave next year because now the room feels a little bit too crowded. Um, if, you bring, if you don't bring him in, then in November you have a better opportunity or a better conversation to be had with uh, J- Jojo Trader when he starts to really focus on a decision. And he's a different type of receiver than you have on the roster, so it makes maybe a bit more sense. Ohio State is not walking away from Elijah Moore, and they're going to try their best to flip that back around. But I don't think that there's any like long-term consternation if he ends up picking Florida State. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I'm with you on that one too. I mean, he's a good player. I think he put on. He was one of the top performers at a recent camp. Um, I think it was in June, maybe it was in May. But when I first saw, you know, he was like being interviewed by Florida State writers, like as he was finishing his official visit and he flat out said oh florida state's now my leader i'm going to make a decision on this date and i thought maybe that was just kind of an in the moment comment but um i'm kind of with you on that like i think he's seems like he's probably going to go to florida state and if he does then tip your cap to them he's a he's a really good player and they're getting a good receiver so
0: yeah great they've done a great job like highlighting the bigger receivers in their offense Um, we saw what they did with johnny wilson they just brought that kid in from michigan state the defense the power forward on the basketball team like they, 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 they know how to get the ball to those big guys on the outside, and I think they sold him on that. I, I think what is interesting is that people will look at it and assume, well, he doesn't want to be part of a four-man receiver class at Ohio State. Florida State, it could be argued, already has four wide receivers committed. I know they have at least two guys that are pure wide receivers and two guys that are athletes in the mold of a wide receiver. So uh, it's not about like the, the depth chart or anything like that. I think it's about Ohio State maybe understanding that there's a different need um, they take him if he wants in, but it's not a situation where they're gonna like cry about it, I guess, if he if they lose. Not that they cry about losing anyone, but you know what I mean. Um, any other guys at June? No, I think uh, you know, we're gonna move on here, Andrew. We're four minutes off this I, time. Go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say my biggest takeaway from June is it's kind of heading into the month. I thought the Edric Houston talk was kind of like long shot premature chatter and now at the end of the month like i've completely flipped on that and at this point i'd be personally surprised if they don't land him i did see that where he was when he was at bama he weighed in at close to like 287 pounds or something like that which so is like
0: 30 yeah he's not a traditional defensive end he's he's a he's in that six foot five 285 mold that larry johnson wants a guy who can play in or out
1: yeah so that that interests me i think we have him listed at like 30 pounds lower than that we might might need to update that but i don't know the way he'll be used eventually whether it's in columbus or or god forbid in tuscaloosa is just going to be be interesting to see how all that unfolds but but his recruitment is kind of the biggest one that's really kind of warmed up on me over the last four to five weeks so that's a good thing after
0: official visits to usc clemson alabama georgia ohio state i'm not surprised if a young guy put on a few pounds in june like you're eating good and you're on an airplane basically the whole month, so I, I understand that. Um, I think at this point, like you're probably disappointed if they don't get Edric Houston, as opposed to going into the month saying, you'd be surprised, pleasantly so, and now it's flipped. So um, I'm going to just see here. Oh, offensive tackle, Sean Duffy asking about offensive tackle. I think Ohio State's going to get Brandon Baker, um, and so I, I think the questions about Gerby Lambert um, become less relevant, but I also don't think that one's a done deal by any stretch. Uh anyone who says that they know what Gerby Lambert is doing is flat out lying. I mean, the kid just does not talk to anybody. His coaches barely talk to anybody. Ohio State, Notre Dame, Boston College are all going to be in the fight. I I wouldn't be surprised if he picks Notre Dame because he is such a private, um, you know, uh not very like vocal social person and he might prefer the smaller campus that notre dame offers and the smaller class sizes and the academics because that's might be what he's into but i'm not going to rule ohio state out on that by any stretch period Uh, there's not a i'm going to say this and and andrew we've talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about tight end when nate roberts committed to notre dame um offensive line and tight end are the one spot where i think notre dame when a when a player's head-to-head ohio state notre dame where you can say well i Notre Dame probably wins that one. Any other position, I don't think Ohio State ever truly worries about losing to Notre Dame in the head-to-head recruitment. Um, In this fight, it is a little different, again, because his personality is so uh, reclusive that I I think you could see him pick Notre Dame. But don't for a second think Ohio State's out of that. And the longer it goes, the better it is for Ohio State. Um, With Brandon Baker, I, I really do think that the connections he made in Columbus with the recruiting class at Ohio state, the the connection that his family had with the parents of the Ohio state offensive line commits the the plan Ohio state has for him. The fact that Justin Fry just got Paris Johnson drafted uh, at the number six pick in the draft. Uh, I think that Ohio state's going to win that fight. And I, I don't know when it's going to end. He he said initially November, then he said it could be August. Uh, my concern there is Texas and Oregon. Uh, the Georgia visit, I think was taken just for fun. As I said last week, I don't, I was not a real concern. Um, but I think Ohio State's gonna win that one. I really do.
1: That's really? that's your spice, that's your spiciest take of the evening, I think. So
0: Yeah, I mean I, I just it seems like just a good fit. Personality wise, he fits in very, very well at Ohio State. Um, and the relationship that he's had with Justin Fry, Ryan Day being involved, hearing from like Jordan Davison, the running twenty twenty five running back from Modern Day, who, who may very well be leaning toward Ohio State as well. <laughs> I think that there's an opportunity to to make some moves finally at Modern Day
1: what about phil knight being involved
0: i mean that's always a concern but again this is where if you're ohio state you're gonna have to make a decision how much you want to play alongside the big boys and i know that the buckeyes are not afraid of the nil conversation like they were a year ago now there's going to be a limit to that they're not going to certainly be offering kids seven figures and all the things that um phil knight may but brandon baker ohio state oregon texas i think that's the where the decision comes from so uh what else? Any other question or thoughts that uh you've got?
1: Um I have a question from the from the forum.
0: Oh, the Ohio forum? Use promo code DTE30 yeah, to sign up and
1: get a free month. Right. So this is from tmar eight. So uh-huh. you've talked a lot about like being able to tell if a kid is an Ohio State or a Notre Dame Clem- or a Clemson type of a kid versus Miami type of kid or or, or something like that. Like He's just kind of asking, how how do you pick up on that? Like, is that something you can pick up on relatively quickly? Like when you're talking to them or developing a relationship with them, or does it just kind of suddenly hit you? Oh, this is not an Ohio State or Clemson type. This is a Texas A&M or Miami type. Or Like, what's that process like for, for you?
0: There's an intention in their conversation, if that makes any sense. There, There's, there's not – they're not having conversations with media – just because they feel like they have to, uh, like they're doing it because they want to be thorough about the process and they're expressing themselves in a different way. And they're very, very thorough in their thought and decision-making process. And you can pick up on that quickly. When you talk to anyone, you can figure out what type of person someone is in a four or five minute conversation. I think most of the time, um, it, you know, when you talk to them in person, are they looking you in the eye are they, you know, it, it's little things like that, that you can pick up on um, and thankfully because we have the internet now like you can see on social media a lot about how people are very quickly um and and make decisions from there so i i think that it is easier to see that than you would think in my opinion i'm also a fairly good judge of character i guess it comes from being the ninth of 11 children i've seen a lot of people in my life i know a lot of different sort of personalities and you can i think it's easy to pick up on when someone is serious about something and when someone is um using a circumstance for their own benefit that makes sense yeah it does Good, yeah, cool uh what else uh, do, 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 do. um i don't i mean there's not a lot else that we could talk about that i have but go ahead you you got the moment this is your this is your moment andrew
1: no, I was just gonna kinda do kind of a quick check, heat check on the um on the over under that we had set, like I said, I think it was seven point five commits that we had set between uh-huh. beginning of June to like July seventh or something. Right now we're at what four for McLean, H- St. McLean, Clair, H-Gay, and the H-Gay. two Glenville guys. Mm-hmm. So would you still be take as of right now, heading into July, would you still be taking the over which means they would need four more between now what would and
0: say July tenth, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fine.
0: I would say, oh, yeah. I'd say, I'd take the over. Um, obviously, I think you can add in Miles Lockhart pretty comfortably. I think Aaron Scott will make a decision by then, and I think it'll be Ohio State. Um, I think that you'll see one or two more make a decision in that time. There's a lot of people, no one's setting dates, but there's, uh, again, Jordan Johnson, Rubel this weekend. If that's a surprise one you throw in there, if the Buckeyes can pull that off. And I really do think that that's, that's a possibility. That's all, folks. You know, I think that. I think it. I think it. When does Laurinaitis get promoted and able to hit the road of recruiting? I don't know. Ohio State's going to have to figure that out because he is way too valuable to be sitting at, uh, at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Um, and that's not a knock on anyone else. I just think that it's clear that uh, his presence is a difference maker for Ohio State and a game changer, and you want him in the hallways of high schools around the country. Um, Patrick Vaccaro asking, does Ohio State get Kingston via Muasa? Talked about it earlier. I think they do, but uh, probably got a couple weeks before that one settles down. So, um, Darren Dorsey, what do you think happens if we get neither big name tackle? I think Ohio State will go to the transfer portal as hard as they possibly can in November because they are not going to settle for offensive tackles that are projects after signing a guy like Miles Walker a year ago who is a, a project at that position After having Deontay Armstrong in this class, who's sort of a project at that position, you've got Ian Moore. He's a very good player, high upside, but even that's not a guy who's going to probably contribute right away. They'll go hard in the transfer portal more so than they ever have. So um, anyway, I think that's it, Andrew. Sorry we went over the 45 minutes that we were trying to keep it at, but that's the way it goes when you're talking stuff on the podcast and uh, when you're talking and writing stuff at ohiostate.rivals.com. You can join myself and Andrew there, along with Bill Landis and Austin Ward in the Horseshoe Lounge. We talk about Ohio State stuff there all year round, and we'd love to have you as part of that community. Again, you can use promo code DTE30 to sign up and get a free month of your subscription. If you are listening to this, if you're watching this, please like, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Like, That's how we make money, and uh, that's how we can continue to keep doing these things and talking about these things in a way that I don't have to go to McDonald's and, and get a second job because that would really take away some of my time, Andrew. Not that there's anything wrong with working at McDonald's. Those fries are bussing, but I'm not really trying to split up my time anymore. So um, that's it for us here on the podcast. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.